0: I'm going to get right out of the way tonight. We're so blessed to have my cousin. I said Marilyn. I've never called her Marilyn in my life. It's Mickey. Okay. Marilyn's just sounds way too sanctified and too complicated. All right. I know her. Okay. But uh, she was one of my favorite cousins growing up. She saved me from a whole bunch of whoopings. You know what I mean? It's like snatched me out and run me out in the yard before dad got a hold of me. And I owe her. And, uh, but I know some stuff on her too. All right. But anyway. Uh, We're so honored tonight to have her. She's been at our church many times. She's a powerful minister of the gospel. My mentor told me that if it takes 30 minutes to introduce somebody, they have nothing to say. Just get them up there and let them talk, all right? So we want her to come on up here. We want her to bless us tonight. Let him help you. Let him help you. transformation church seems like it's been forever since I've been here but I know it hadn't been that long and I'm always surprised we were talking about this the other day fact, yesterday that we're always surprised when you come back to hear us so I'm thrilled that you're here tonight and I do trust that you have come expecting to receive from the Lord tonight I've been watching online when I can when I'm not preaching somewhere I'm watching you online or You guys are actually an hour behind me, so usually I can catch at least one of the services, and God has been doing great things, and I am so excited for where you're headed and where you're going to. I'll cut straight to it, give up on all of the preliminaries. Most of you already know me, so there's no need to go in there. Go with me in your word, please, to Acts chapter 28. You will now see the different preaching styles of different people because your pastor preaches one way, I preach another. He asked me if I wanted a table. I said, my goodness, no. I said, I want one of them little music stands you got. Acts chapter 28, and we'll be in verse 3. You guys can hang. It's good for me. Acts chapter 28 and verse number 3. I actually had written a brand new sermon for coming here, and You know how God does. He messes with you every now and again, and He simply switched it on me. So I want to deliver to you tonight with the Lord's help when the viper latches on. When the viper latches on. Acts chapter 28, beginning at verse 3, says this, But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw that the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Father, we love you tonight. I cannot even begin to tell you how awesome I feel like you are to me. But Lord, once again, we come into your presence to receive from your word that which will sustain us. And I thank you for people that are hungry to hear from you. Once again, I ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit as only you can give. May I speak that which you have given into me in order that it may minister to their spirits. And their spirits to their souls and their souls to their flesh. That others may see and know that they have been in your presence this night. May we leave here knowing that you, O God, have touched us with a new word. And may we apply it to our life. And all things point to the cross for we ask it in the name of your son Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm famous for little stories, so let me just give you one. An astronaut was fixing to enter onto a spacecraft, and there's always news reporters everywhere when something like this is going to happen. And they said to him, how do you feel going on this mission? And he says, well, let me answer you this way. How would you feel if you're fixing to get on a rocket that is made up of 144,000 parts given to the lowest bitter. I think it would give us pause. You see, there are things that come in our lives that cause us to be afraid or have fear, and it freezes us in our situations that we're facing in our lives to have victory. We always suffer defeat because of it. There are many times that others that you may know have done the same thing, just for Oliver Wendell Holmes. One time he was sitting in his little office and his wife walked by and dropped a note there. And on the note she said this, you have suffered many things, most of which have never happened. You see, it's the attitude that we have as believers that sometimes determine how successful and how fruitful we are in our lives. We have a tendency to see God as a give me God. He exists up there. We exist down here. Give me, give me, give me, and we expect him to rain it down on us. But if I read the word correctly, he said, lo, I am where? With you. In other words, we seem to forget that when we face impossible situations, that he's not sitting out there somewhere, but he is with us. The Greek word, if you looked it up, means this. To be divided or inwardly distracted. If you look it up in another section, you'll find that it means to be choked or strangled. Nothing will stop you faster than fear. Nothing will stop you faster than worry. The two join hand in hand. People say to me all the time, I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about getting sick. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. This sermon's for you tonight if you're one of those. For you need to hear what thus saith the word of God to you. Worry will lead you to fear, and fear will lead you to a lack of faith. It destroys your effectiveness in the kingdom. We see it in this particular story that I read to you. Let me recount. (laughs) Paul has appeared before Agrippa, King Agrippa. And in the process, King Agrippa says to him that he's going to take his life. But he appeals to him as a Roman, where they would not flog him. And so they decide, he said, that you will go to Rome to face the Romans who you claim to be a part of. So they put him on a ship. And the ship takes off. He gets to another ship, loads on another ship. All this time as a prisoner in chains. But finally, on the second ship, things began to happen. Not as he had planned, but as God had planned. For as he's sailing in the second ship, a great storm comes up. We would know it as a hurricane here, it's called a nor'easter. And as that storm came up, it began to beat on the ship. And as it beat on the ship, the ship began to rock to and fro, and they began to throw things off of the ship in order to salvage themselves. But God in the midst of the storm speaks to Paul. Get that. God can speak to you in the midst of your storm. And as he speaks to him, he says, if they'll stay with the ship, not one soul will be lost. If you know the rest of the story, the ship begins to fall apart. It seems as if God has spoken in vain. But what happened, he said to them, anybody that can swim, you see that little shore over there, you head for the shore. Everybody else that can't swim, you grab a piece of the boat and you head that way. And when they get on the shore, they take a head count and not one soul was lost. Now, that's all a great story and could preach in a whole different manner. But there's more. For now, it seems that they're on the shore and they're at Malta. That's the name of the place, beautiful place now. But little known then, good shipping place back then. They're all on the shore. And they're cold because it's winter. And they begin to gather up sticks. Now, notice first who gathered the sticks. It wasn't the ones who came on the shore. It was the people who greeted them, except for Paul. So many times we're facing adverse situations. We want to depend on everybody else to make things better. We shiver and we're afraid and we're cold and we're frustrated and we keep looking for somebody else make it better. But Paul knew that the only way to have victory was to keep on keeping on. So Paul goes and he begins to gather sticks. And he takes the sticks and he tosses them into the fire. And when he does, the viper comes out and latches on his hand. Anytime, get ready, anytime the fire starts stirring, You can get ready for a viper. You need to learn that right now. When it seems as if the power of God is moving and things are beginning to go forward, the viper is going to show up because the heat will drive him out, and he's looking for some place to latch. And if you're it, you're going to be in big trouble. You see, there's only two responses that we are born with. We are born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Everything else is a learned response. Whoa. Everything else is a learned response. In other words, when you're afraid, you have learned how to be afraid. It's planted in us sometimes by our parents or by people around us. I'm afraid of storms. I'm afraid of lightning. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid. Where do you think you got that from? It sure wasn't your faith. When God only intended for you to be afraid of loud noises and of being dropped. You were a baby. You didn't want to get dropped. Some of you may have been dropped. Maybe what's wrong with you? There is the side you've been looking for. It's coming. You see, fear and worry will produce negative effects in your life. It'll paralyze you. It will cause your health to fail. It'll give you heart palpations. It will jeopardize your health. It will stifle your joy. I like it when somebody tells me, you seem to be happy all the time. You bet. I done tried him and found he works. You see, there's three lessons that you need to understand about worry. Worry is an exercise in futility. In other words, it's a big waste of time for those who don't understand what the other word meant. We preachers have got to use them, but sometimes I think we need to just go back to southern gospel. Y'all know what it means? Worry ain't going to pay the bills. Worry isn't going to secure a job promotion. Worry isn't going to restore a marriage. Worry isn't going to control your children. I can tell you a few things that might help there, but I'll leave that one alone. Believe it or not, worry isn't even going to heal your sickness or make you happy. But this is a proven statistic. 92% of what you worry about never happens. Whoa. 8% may happen, but 92% won't. Worry is contrary to Christian faith. It will divide you from the will of God in your life. Mickey, I've been looking for God's will in my life, and I can't seem to find it. May I ask you the question, do you worry? Are you afraid? Are you frustrated? Is it possible that that is what's stopping you from the will of God in your life? Paul knew that no matter what was latched on his hand to focus on what he knew. Common sense tells me that if a white viper was hanging off my hand tonight and it was real, you'd be looking for something to happen that ain't happening. Common sense tells me that when they saw this viper latched onto him, that they were thinking that at any moment he was going to kill over, but he didn't. I love what Paul does. He could have done this routine. Well, you know what? I just guess I'm going to crawl up and die. I'm going to swell up like a toad, and I'll be out of here shortly. He could have begun to worry and fret. But if you read it carefully, you see that Paul never gave it one single thought. The Bible said he walked over to the fire, simply shook him back into where he came from and went on about his business. You see, because of fear and worry, many have lost their place with God. Adam and Eve did in the garden of Eden. Israel forfeited Canaan. Ephraim turned back in the day of battle. Saul's army fled from Goliath. Read it, it's there. Gideon lost 22,000 of 32,000 fighting men over fear. If you read the account, it says he told them, if they're afraid, tell them to go to the house. You want to know why he told them that? Because fear is contagious. Uh oh. Fear is contagious. I can convince anyone to be afraid if I express my fear. Elijah suffered depression. Jonah ran from the call of God. The man with one talent buried it in the ground. Christ's disciples cried out, Master, don't you care that we perish? And even at the cross, they deserted him because of fear. But I've come tonight to tell you there's a way around and through and over and under fear. For you see, we have to first understand that we're not to focus on what's happening, but on what is eternal. Let me go back to the old days of this old time while I'm here. You ever heard that old song? The millennials are going to go, no, but the rest of you will. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I care not what the world remains, but holy trust In Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand when your circumstances are overwhelming you, and when it seems as if you're never going to conquer, and when your life is falling apart around you, let me help you out. Take your eyes off of what's happening and put them on the cross and watch and see if God himself will not bring you through. God, help us tonight. Some of you have been given promises And they haven't happened yet. Focus on what God said, not on what's happening. For you see, Paul had already been told by God, you're going to Rome. He wasn't there yet. He had a security within himself that even though Things were happening that were trying to detour him. The enemy had heard what God had said. The enemy knew what was in store for Paul. The enemy knew that when he got there, that there would be a church born and that there would be a spread of Christianity. The enemy knew that if he did not stop him, that the kingdom of God would begin to increase. But Paul refused to receive what the enemy meant for his harm and looked at what God had said and said, I'm going to Rome. We need to point our finger in his face and say to him, I know what you got planned, but I also heard what God said he had planned. He said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He said, that I can, he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He said that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall separate me. And yet all it takes is him thumping us on the big toe. And we're like, oh. I'm hurting. Does anybody care? Not really. So many times God presses us in order to get the best out of us. Wine cannot be made until it's pressed, roses cannot smell until they're pressed. There are things that press on us. And what it is, is that God has put within us things that he wants to get out of us. And the only way sometimes to get it out of us is to allow us to feel pressed. I think Paul felt pressed. I must surrender to God. What I cannot control. Parents, listen to me tonight. Mine are grown now. I have no control over anything they do. I three sons. You know that, some of you. My boys are grown. They don't call me up and ask me if they can go buy a car anymore. They don't ask me if they can buy a house. They don't ask me if things spank their kids. They do what they want to do. But yet, we spend a lot of time worrying about what's going to happen to them. Seriously? My boys will tell you, Mom don't care a whole lot what we do because she figures, whatever. No, what it is is that I committed them to God a long time ago. And I am persuaded that what God has put in them, He is able to get out of them. They don't need Mama to tell them what to do. Parents come to me all the time. My children are just giving me a fit. Why? Why? Well, you don't know what they've been into. No, you're right. I don't probably don't want to know. But can I tell you this? You can't change it sometimes. I can't change how much my light bill is going to be unless I turn off the air conditioner and that ain't happening. I can't change what things cost. Inflation determines that. I can't change what's going to happen in their futures. I can't change what happens in your life. But there is a God in heaven who saw you before he formed you in your mother's womb. And he ordained you. And he sanctified you. And he laid his hand on you. And he determined what he wanted to do in your life. And whatever you have allowed him to put in, he will get out of you if you will submit to his hand. Well, I just want to help him out. Do him a favor, don't. I watch as people struggle with their Christianity, and I just want to scream at them this is not a hard thing. It's not a hard thing, it's called trust. We say we love him. We stand up here and sing the songs we sang tonight. What a beautiful name it is. We know how to sing it, but we need to learn how to live it. See, what I cannot control, God already has control of. I've got to put my trust where it belongs. Paul accepted the validity of God's promise. We can either look at the circumstance and worry, or we can look at the author and the finisher of our faith and let Him do the worrying for us. We have to keep our minds focused on His promises. We have to have faith that He is able. We have to accept the validity of His word. Listen, I don't know how new you are in the Lord, but you hear me, nothing will help you any better than this that I hold in my hands. Well, when I read it, it's Greek mythology to me. Let me help you. Before you read it, ask the Lord to make it clear. There's enough interpretations out there and out that a three-year-old can understand it. But nothing will guide you more and help you more in your life to overcome fear than this book. The promises of God are described in the Scripture. They're described as unfailing, assured, grounded, in grounding you in Christ, great and precious, and they're everlasting. Even D.L. Moody said he used to pray for faith, but then he read this. Faith comes by hearing And hearing by the word of the Lord. I've had the wonderful privilege of meeting people who have great faith. I've had the wonderful privilege of knowing people who have the gift of faith that operates through them and in them. But nothing will help you anymore than your faith. You see... We have to commit our outcome to God and stop trying to make it happen our way. Well, I want to sing on the praise team, bless the Lord. Can I be honest? And some of you can't carry a tune in a bucket. God ain't going to ask you to do something you ain't equipped for. Just saying. They're behind me, are probably going, yoo hoo. No, I'm kidding. God equips you for every task that he sets you to do. He has already prepared you for any battle you face. He has already begun to make a way for you where there seems to be no way. While you are yet speaking, he said, I already am answering you. What does that say to us? That says that our faith should be secure. Well, he's not doing it fast enough to suit me. What's new? I pray for a lot of people. I travel a lot. Pray for a lot of people. I've never seen anybody that didn't want anything now. And I can tell you about 5% get it now. Boy, that encourages you a lot, right? Right. The reason why is because we allow fear to get in the way of reception. Fear simply means false expectations appearing real. It causes us to be short on power and full of grumbling. I said to my cousin since I've been here, God ain't called me to pastor We did that for years, my husband and I. I didn't mind pastoring, loved pastoring. But when God released me from that and put me in this, I have found that this is much more fun. You want to know why? I tell it and run. But pastoring would be so much easier if people would just grasp a hold of the reality that their fear Benefits nothing. And that when fear begins to set in, if they would just stand up and say to the enemy, you see this? I'm giving this to God. You see this? I'm giving this to God. You see this? I ain't got no clue how to handle this. (laughs) That one's yours. But usually we spend most of the time saying, you see this? I got it, God. Not a problem. And we mess it up royally. And then we begin to cry out to him. Can you prove it to me, Mickey, that it works? Yeah, I sure can. You see, people who trusted the outcome of their crisis to God was Job. Job lost everything but what he should have lost, that old grumbling wife. Figure that one out. Just saying. I mean, he lost it all. I did notice, though, when God prospered him later, he didn't give him more wives, so that's good. Or you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're facing death. Do you realize that they did not trust, that they did not ask God to take care of them on this side of the fire? They had to be in the fire to find their faith. And their fear gone. Paul was in prison more than once. But he trusted God. You guys can go ahead. I'm done. Even Jesus said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. If Jesus himself faced fear with commitment, what should we do? should we do? I have a little jar at my house. It's my little prayer jar. When people call me, I write it down on a little slip of paper, and I slip it in this little prayer jar, and nobody sees inside that prayer jar (coughs) except for myself and God. But I found that I went through a period in my life where there was great fears that began to overtake me, and Seemed as if I was frozen in time. Ever been there? I was told I'd never preach again, told I would never do any of this again. I mean, there was a lot going on and just a lot of frustration and irritation. And I wanted to scream out, God, where are you? You know, that's really what I wanted to say. But I knew what God had said. I knew what he had called me to do, and I had to depend on him to fulfill what he said he would do. I could have quit. I could have just laid it down and say, fooey to this, God's not as good as he said. he. After all, he didn't heal me at the moment I asked him to. i had finally, at one point, my back had gotten so bad, I'd already blew a kidney. That doesn't make sense to you, but trust me, virtually blew one. I was told I'd be on dialysis. I fought through that one. Did good. Man, I stood my ground. I was a super faith warrior. I made it through it. I was good. But all of a sudden I begin to be troubled with my back beyond measure. And I travel all the time, so that's like double trouble. And I was finally took time off, which is really rare for any preacher to do. We don't like to take time off, it's just what we do. And this pastor called me that I've preached for him for years, and he said to me, he said, we're having an anniversary this weekend, and we've decided to celebrate it, but I've only had two people I put in my pulpit. You're one of them. Will you come and preach at that particular time? And I'm thinking, man, I'm already in Orlando. I've already got a room. This is my time. I needed to heal I wanted to get alone with God and find out what He wanted me to do from here, to tell me if I was done or not. I mean, I was in a mess. It's the only way I know to put it, just in a mess. But of course, you respond with an appropriate answer, yes, I'll come. Packed up, in fact, couldn't even drive, had to have somebody drive me there, which is really rare for me. I get there, and I begin to preach that morning, and the pain was so agonizing that I'm sure they probably could tell, but got through doing my part, and the other guy was doing his thing. And then they wanted us to pray for people, which is pretty much what we do. I prayed for a whole line of people and watched as God began to heal person after person after person that particular day. But the more I prayed, the worse I got. Figure that one out you've been there, where you think God's playing you like a trumpet, you know? God, how come it's working for everybody else and it ain't working for me? Finally, when I got done, to be completely honest, I said in my spirit, in my mind, okay, God, I'm going to assume that I can't do this any longer. And I leaned back against, it was about this high, the roster, just leaned back there. And I began to say that in my spirit, I'm done, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. I give out, my body is giving out, I'm getting older. How hard is this? God's done all he's gonna do through me. And I tossed in the towel that day, until. You ever had an until moment with God? The other man, I didn't really know him. I've never met him. He always preached a different time than I was there, and he walks up to me. He was walking away, and he turned around, and he came back, and he stood in front of me, and he said, I hesitate to say this to you. Everybody hesitates to say a word to me. I don't quite get that, but they do. I'll tell you why. Some of it, I'll know if it's from God or not, but don't let that upset you. You should know if it's from God. And he began to tell me, he said, Did I was I not the same God that healed you when they said to you it would not happen? Am I not the same God that called you and told you what I would do through you? I'm not done yet. Choose. And at that moment, I lifted my hands, and I said, God, I choose you. And in three days, I was laying in my bed at home. I'd made it home, and I was hurting worse than I'd ever hurt before then. You thought things were going to be really good from that time forward. Surprise! God never does it like you have planned. And as I'm laying in that bed... I began to wake up with heat running through my body, and it wasn't hot flashes for those that thought I was there, knew. Passed that, done that, got the t-shirt, understand it. My husband was glad I waited till he was gone to do that. I'm laying in that bed, and this heat begins to run through my body. Happened to me three nights in a row. The heat would start at the top of my head, run down my spine and stop right in that one place. Took me two nights to figure it out. You're supposed to know those things. Yeah, really? But on the third day, when I went to get up out of that bed, I didn't have to call for somebody to help me get up. I got up. And I began to walk around my room and lift my hands and give God praise and glory and honor. And the healing power of God just began to flow even more so. And from that day to this, that commitment took my faith, took away my fears, and taught me how to trust. Hear me tonight. I do not know what you are facing. I do not know what you are going through. I do not know what your kids are doing. I do not know what's going on in school with you. I do not know what's going on in your job. But there is somebody who walks with you that does. And he cares about you enough to care about the details in your life. He cares about the details. Stand with me. Yes, I do it different than he does. Told you you'd see the differences. Listen, Abraham had to wait 10 years for Isaac to be born even after God had pronounced it. Joseph waited 12 years in prison to see his dreams fulfilled. Joshua and Caleb waited 40 years in the desert to see the promised land because of everybody else's actions. Hope you got that one. David waited for 10 years being hounded by King Saul before he even began to see the crown God had promised him. Even the disciples had to wait in the upper room. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2, they were all in one mind and one accord, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it came and it filled the house where they were sitting, and it appeared unto them as cloven tongues of fire, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. In other words, that that God had promised came out of the temple and came into man. But they had to wait for it. Mickey, I want it now. I wish I could do that for you, I really do. But I can tell you as a fact, you're never gonna receive what you are expecting God to do in your life until you activate your faith, commit yourself no matter what's happening to see that God is in control and understand that God will do it in his time. Let me give you another word of wisdom sometimes he ain't gonna do it because what you're asking for is not for your good don't be mad at god understand that he only wants to do what's best for you he's a good good father that what we sing that's who you are that's who you are and i'm loved A good, good father. He's gonna give you abundantly above all you could ask or think, but you have to trust him that he knows what he's doing. I've got a question for you tonight. How many of you be honest? God's watching. Ain't gonna use me because you can care less if I'm watching, but God's watching. How many of you just this week has worried about something? Lift your hand. Be honest. Look around. See you ain't the only bug in the kingdom. Now let me ask you this. Of all that worrying that you did in that situation, did it change it? I just helped you. It didn't change a thing, did it? But wouldn't you like to live in a place where you don't have to worry? I refuse to worry. It's futile. Just Weeks, you never worry. Every now and again, I slip up, I find it slip up on me and I go, oh, oh no, 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 no. I want peace. He said, our Father gives us peace. Okay, you ready? If you lifted your hand that you worried, I want you to come this way, come quickly. I don't delay, come on. Everybody's trying not to say they didn't. Come on, the whole group just about raised their hand. If you didn't, you know you're probably fibbing. Maybe not, maybe you've reached that place. Look at them all making excuses to each other as they come. They're all going, well, I didn't really worry about this. (laughs) Yes, you did. Stop faking each other out. Just be honest. Boy, did I worry. How many of you want to live a life of peace? Follow peace with all men. Isn't that what the word of God says? Follow peace with all men. He wants to change it for you. Step number one. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never accepted him. You've never come to him and said, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done. And you've never accepted him into your life. That's step number one. It's as simple as saying that. Father, forgive me. I believe your son died for me and that he rose again. That's all there is to it. It's just that simple. Step number one. Step number two is to do this, commit. Do you hear what I said? Commit, I've been watching you all night, so get ready. I'll be your way in just a minute. You gotta commit. Anything you hold on to, God can't do anything with it. Uh-oh. Your calling, your gifting, whatever the Lord is giving you to do, whether it be pray for the pray for others, and whether it be take care of babies in the nursery, if it be singing a song, he can't do anything with it as long as you hold on to it. What you got to do with it? Give it away. There you go. You gotta open your hands and give it away, you got to commit.